0: Okay, good morning everyone. Welcome back to Pasha Perspectives for today. Thank you for joining us this morning of learning. What a great morning it's been so far. Nefrelich Zos For those who are watching or listening while it is still Hanukkah, our Pasha series is generously sponsored by Becky and Avi Katz and family in memory of David Grossman. Le'i le dava This morning's class is also sponsored by the one and only Essie Barry in memory of her beloved father, Max Gopin. Baruch Mordechai ben Yechez Kotzvi, her dear brother Cantor Moshe Geffen. Whom we miss, and Shleim of Tilabas Ariel Thank you so much for your generosity and for your sponsorship. All right, Parshaz Vaigash, this incredible story is unfolding. I know you're all at the edge of your chair. You have no idea what's going to happen. The cliffhanger from week to week. What will be in the saga that is unfolding between Yosef and his brothers. We're on page 250 in the Old stone. Stone. We are our And our parasha begins Yehuda musters the courage. He puts together the confidence. This is the moment of confrontation. Yosef who recognized all his brothers, but remained unrecognizable to them. Yosef has been orchestrating this entire drama, this entire saga. He's been doing so in order to make these dreams come true. And this is the moment of truth. When Yosef, now faced with the same exact circumstance, the same exact situation, a brother who's on the outs, will he abandon a brother once again? Will the brothers move on down one man? Or will they stand up? Will they stand up for a brother and refuse to leave until they are complete? In the moment Yehuda is willing to stand up, now Yosef sees they've done tshuva gemura. they've done full repentance, and he is ready to be able to move on together with them. Rav Nachman Abresta, there's so much to say in this opening, passage. gets so hard. You don't know how hard it is from this perspective behind the table up here. So many incredible divrei Torah on this opening pasuk. We could spend four hours on the opening pasuk of the divrei Torah through the years. My favorite Rama, the rokeach, three steps forward every almidah, the three vayigashes. But I'm not going to say it all. I've said it before. All new things, all new. So Rab Nachman says the following: Yosef is one of the Mishnah of Yosef was appointed to be the viceroy of Egypt. He's the Mishnah of He's the second in command. Yosef, they don't recognize him. It's been many years. He looks different. We're going to explore in a moment. Still, even if you have a brother, even if it's 22 years, even if it's in to have a hipster beard, and Yosef looks totally different. So what? A brother you don't recognize? A brother you don't recognize? How could it be? Is it possible they didn't want to recognize him? Is it possible subconsciously, even to a degree consciously? We'll see in a moment. But either way, says Rabbi Nachman, who Akhililah Amirosa bin Khan chooses to put them through a test. Wa hara al is gaviya kassa shulaba am bin yamin and he hides his goblet in the sack of bin yamin. La khas al gaviya Yosef is bin yamin bigneiva and once the the goblet is discovered in the sack of bin Yosef now falsely accuses He says everyone else go home, everyone else go back, everyone else go be with your father, he's staying here with me. He creates a scenario that simply is a recreation of what he himself went through. That a brother is apart, is outside from the other brothers in order to test them he puts them in a position. Will they do the same thing they did last time, which is abandon a brother and move on? Will they go back and make another excuse? Will they dip another coat in blood and claim it again there was some extraordinary incident? Or will they stand up? Will they remain behind? Will they not leave a brother behind? And this time, Yehuda stands up. Yehuda steps up. This time Yehuda says, I refuse to go forward without my brother. And here's Rab Nachman's question. The Why does the Pasuk have to first introduce with Vayigash that Yehuda approached Yosef? Why not simply start, Vayomar Yehuda El Yosef? Yehuda turned to Yosef and he challenged him, he confronted him and he spoke to him. Why do we need the drama of he stepped up, he approached, we're trying to give this dramatic background. You know, if you take, if you're an English major or a minor, you took any English class, often the teacher will give back and say, you're trying too hard. You're trying to create too much drama. Just tell the story, let the story speak for itself. So why is the Torah here almost artificially creating this drama, Vaigash? Ooh, we could picture it. Yehuda musters the courage, he speaks to himself, then he's willing to step up and stand out. Just, just cut to the chase, Vayomar Yehuda al Yosef. What did he say? What were the words that he used? So Chazal tells us, Rabbi Rabba Vayigash, she atora rotzalahadge Yehuda nigash veichin tfila In that moment, the Vayigash was not directed to Yosef. The Vayigash is directed to Hashem. Yehuda is girding himself, preparing himself, directing himself, focusing himself to turn to Hashem in tefillah. mal Yosef ach Yosef his Hashem Sometimes externally, superficially, you can appear as if you're talking to a person, but in your heart, as you're speaking to that person, you're offering a tefillah. This is the mission of a Jew. The level of amunah we're meant to live with is to be in such close contact and connection, (laughs) to live with such amunah and dveikos, to Hashem, that even while we're going through emotion, even while we're speaking to someone else, really who we're speaking to is Hashem. Really that action, that initiative we're taking is a form of a tefillah to Hashem. From here, says Rabbi Nachman, we learn a very powerful idea and insight. We learn a model of tefillah. One of the most famous teachings of Rabbi Nachman: A Jew always needs to be happy. He can't be sad. We spoke about this a couple Shabbats ago. That Yosef, even though he's in jail, he's rotting in a dungeon, and he's come out of a pit and he's been falsely accused, he's tamid b'simcha, like Rabbi Nachman, he's a breast lover, he's the first breast lover. <laughs> he's tamid b'simcha, I don't know what kind of yarmulke he's wearing, one of those white, big yarmulkes, but Yosef is dancing even in prison, he's tamid b'simcha, he's always happy, and when you're happy, you can't stand that others are unhappy, and that's what stimulates him to say, "Madua apnechem reimayum." he turns to the two officers, why are you unhappy today? atzvah, sadness is an avera. Person has to be besimcha. Even when a person seemingly has a very good reason to be sad, to beat oneself up, to feel a sense of shame and guilt. Even if a person has made terrible, drastic mistakes, and the Eight Sahara wins when it says, be sad, have despair, be hopeless, give up. All of that is the language. And all of that is the methodology and the strategy of the Yetzirah. The Yetzirah is saying, Be said. Be said. But it's also look for the good, find a reason to be happy, see the silver lining. We all have some redeeming value, quality. We have redeeming part of our personality, we're redeeming actions and behavior that make us virtuous and worthwhile, some level of righteousness in our lives, some level of good and blessing and bracha for which we could be grateful. And maybe even when we find the good or we see the blessing, it too has holes, it too has shortcomings, it too has compromise. So we feel sad, we beat ourselves up and we have despair and we're down and out. But a person who looks that way is going to fall to sadness. And when you have despair, you give up on yourself, then you don't strive for greatness. Then you can't live your best self. When you see the worthiness, and you see the godliness, and you see the goodness in yourself, then you believe. You believe in the future. All the good, it comes from Hashem. And with this, Rabbi Nachman explains our opening Pasuk. Yehuda. We've spoken in years past. You can listen to the previous shiurim. Who's the A love is a pronoun. Yehud approached him. Who's the him? The simple understanding is yeah, Yosef. Yeah. He walks up to Yosef and he says, Yosef, not knowing it's Yosef, I can't go back without Binyamin. It'll kill my father. It's a violation of my promise. It's not happening. I'm not going back without him. Take me instead. I'll give up my life. I'll lie down in front of this tractor. It's not <laughs> happening. Not happening. Simple understanding of a love is who's the A love? Yosef. There's another understanding of who's the A love? Himself. He's speaking to himself. This connects to our Shabbat Shuvah drasha But the conversations that we have with ourselves, the researchers have concluded, don't ask me how, that we speak no less than three million words to ourselves a day. Even the most shy, introvert, quiet person, we speak, we're cut from the moment we wake up till we fall asleep, and many people sleep very little, so we're awake many hours of the day, and we are constantly in conversation with ourselves. How many of you had a long, arduous, difficult conversation about whether to have one more (laughs) Ragolach? How long was that conversation? How many words were spoken? Well, it's the end of Chanukah, you've had so many Sifkaniyot, the diet will start tomorrow, it's Zos Chanukah, what's one more? It's already been such a bad eating week. No, I promised myself today, Zos Chanukah would be the new day. I hadn't already enough, I had one, or I promised I wouldn't have any. How many, you could spend a million words just on one ragalach. <laughs> the conversations that we have with ourselves to regulate ourselves, sometimes to encourage ourselves, sometimes to inspire ourselves, sometimes to humble ourselves and lessen ourselves and lower ourselves. We all need different conversations with ourselves, but we are constantly in conversation with ourselves. So the second interpretation, Vayigash love Yehuda, Yehuda approached him. Who's the him? Yosef maybe, that's the obvious, that's the simple a love could mean himself. Vaigash <laughs> A love Yehuda. Yehuda approached himself. He inspired himself. Sometimes we have to give ourselves a pep talk. You're going into a difficult conversation, a difficult meeting, a difficult attempt to reconciliation, or you're about to stand up for something that you believe in. You're going into lobby to advocate. Vaigash <laughs> A love. We have to approach ourselves. We have to gird ourselves. We have to build ourselves, our self confidence. But here says Rabbi Nachman. Who's the a love and vigash a love Yehuda? A third interpretation is none other than Sometimes we're preparing to daven. We're about to take our three steps forward. The Rama says the rokeach three vayigashes, three steps forward. Avram vayigash. I can't help it. Avram approached Hashem for Home that was one vayigash second Vaigash Yehuda approaches for his brother and the third Elio approaches representing Hashem himself the three times someone stood up for another Vaigash we stepped up we stood out we 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 advocated Avram for evil wicked people Yehuda for a brother Achtos and Elio Anavi for Hashem himself for a Kiddush Hashem three Vaigashes we're supposed to think about the Ramah quotes the Rokach three times that we take three steps forward for the Amida one, we're fighting even for Hashem. Two, we're about to think about our brothers. Three, Hashem, I'm davening for you, for your name, for your name to be made great. For, for Kod Shumayim, for Kiddush Hashem. Okay, good, we got that out of the way. So, V'yigash, I love Yehuda. I can't help it every year. So sometimes a person wants to daven, but they say, who am I to daven? I'm going to daven? i been Do you know what I was just doing? What I was looking at on my phone? What I was saying on my phone, the Lashon Hara I was sharing? Do you know who I am, how lowly I am, how pathetic I am? Do you understand that how much I have abandoned Hashem, I have not fulfilled what He wants and what He wills for me? Who am I and what am I? So I'm going to now stand up and daven to Hashem. So we beat ourselves up and we think we're unworthy and then we fail to daven or we don't daven the way we could. The enthusiasm, the passion, the authenticity that we could. That's why we spoke about it in tefillah, in Siddhar Snippets. What's the first thing we say even before we open our mouth? We take three steps forward and the introduction to the Amidah is Hashem Who said those words and when? Where are they from? How many times have you said Shwan Asrei? Three times a day for how many days, how many weeks, how many months, how many years? I won't ask. Where do those words come from? David Amelach. And, and where do they appear? Tilman and Beis. And what is David Amelach saying there after the episode with Ba'sheva, where he is confronted by the Navi? And David Amelach says, How do I talk to Hashem after what I've done? I'm, so, I'm such a failure. I'm so low. I'm so far from him. He probably doesn't even want to hear from me. How do I find the words? Hashem sefasai tiftach. Hashem, open my mouth. Help me find the words to re-engage, to reconnect, to re-address you. And that's how we begin our Amidah every day, invoking that same feeling of a David and I've made mistakes between Shacharos and Mincha, between Mincha and Marv. If you go to the same Melchem Marav, it's hard to make mistakes. Although, if you look at your phone during sitter snippets, you have to say Hashem s-a-sai Tiftach at Marav. between Marav and Shacharis, says, Hashem, since I last daven, you know how many mistakes I've made? You know how far I've fallen? Who am I? You don't want to hear from me. Hashem Sefasai Tiftach. Help me. Open my mouth. Move my lips. Give me the words to say. So that's what's going on over here, says Rabbi Nachman. Says Rabbi Nachman. Gam ki ki we spoke about two weeks ago in the Amunashir. No matter where I am, no matter what's happening, I can confront anything. Why? As long as you are by my side. When Yehuda realizes, Hashem is approachable. He's accessible. He wants to hear from us. So Rabbi Nachman's answering, why did the Torah have to say Why not just start the Pasuk three words in? The real estate of the Torah is precious. Start three words in. Vayomer bi Adoni. Start with Vayomer. What did Yehuda say to Yosef? Why do we need those opening three words? Vayigash elav Yehuda. Why do I need the drama? Why do I need the imagery? Why do I need the sense of approaching? The posture says Rabbi Nachman because it's not talking about Yehuda and Yosef. Vayigash elav Yehuda is Yehuda approaching Hashem offering a tefillah, let this go well. I'm on my way into the board meeting. I'm on my way into the operating room. I'm on my way into the supermarket, the gym. I'm on my way into parent-teacher conferences. I'm on my way into any circumstance, situation or venue. (laughs) Approach Hashem. He's approachable. He wants to hear us. And when we do, (laughs) Hashem says, speak, talk. What do you want to say? I'm all ears. I'm here to listen. So Rabbi Nachman, a totally new interpretation, understanding of this opening Pasuk, that it's not Yehuda approaching Yosef, maybe it's Yehuda approaching himself, but it's Yehuda ultimately approaching the Rebona Shlulam in tefila, that this confrontation go well, and that it yield successful results. Okay, moving along. Perek Mamedala, Pasuk, Chaf, Ches. This is the whole dialogue. This is the monologue, really, that Yehuda is giving to Yosef as he's confronting him. And he tells him the whole story. My mother, father, father sent us. We had nothing to eat. Came back. He said, if I lose another son, I'll surely die. Go back, get us food. We can't go down. Only if the youngest brother comes. He said, you know that my wife bore me two sons. One has left me. He has surely been torn to pieces, for I have not seen him since. Right? Yehuda's is quoting his father, who says, I lost that wife of two of my sons, and I lost one of those sons whom it was presented to me that what? Tarof toraf, valori isiv arhena, that he was surely torn to pieces and I have not seen him since then. What does that mean? He was surely torn to pieces and I've not seen him since then. So we turn for the first time today of several to, as you know, my favorite new sefer, Otzer Pelos HaTorah, the wonderful Otzer Pelos HaTorah that this week quotes one of our members, somebody who's here, but we'll get to that. Chasam Sofer, ch'sam <laughs> Sofer in Teres Moshe, Dover B'birah Pasuk, Sofer says something remarkable in understanding this pasuk. Quote: Did Yaakov think Yosef was dead, or did he hold out hope against all odds? He saw a colored coat that was colored in blood, covered in blood. The evidence was overwhelming that indeed what they said was true. That Yosef was no longer, that he was torn to shreds, that he was killed. Yet Yaakov held out hope against all odds. Why? Kavan Shalonira Pam Bedaito. I haven't seen him again in a dream. So you know what I think happened to him, Chesam Sofer says? Yaakov did not believe, he did not accept for a moment that Yosef was killed. He knew Yosef was among the living. So where was he? Why hasn't he heard from him? Why didn't he hear from him even in a dream? You know why? Kitaruf toraf. Taruf, taraf. taruf taraf can mean surely torn apart, but it could also mean taruf taraf has gone insane. What made him go insane? He was bit by a wild animal, and a wild animal that bit and gave its poison will make a person lose their mind. Chassam Sofer says, ach tarof toraf velori isiv." Lori isiv means I haven't seen him in a dream. Why? Because he's no longer the person I knew. nitrof bedaito, he's lost his mind. So Yaakov was inconsolable. Yaakov refused to accept the possibility that Yosef was no longer, he was no longer among the living. But he did have concern, Lori yisiv, oh, I haven't seen him, and why haven't I seen him? Because in a dream, because torof Toraf, because he's lost his mind. Again, otzaplos Torah. He finds and he digs up these fascinating obscure Sakhsam Sofer, but opinions that introduce such ideas that we never knew from. I wish I could share all of them with you, but you know, he talks about. When Yosef reveals himself, he says, Yosef shows him that he's mahol. What's the big deal? A lot of people were circumcised. Yosef reveals he has no scarring on his milah. Why? He was born mahol and only holy people are born mahol. He <coughs> digs up these obscure, fascinating insights. Ani Yosef. This is the moment of truth. Yehuda finishes his monologue, his presentation, his moment of confrontation. And how does Yosef respond? He responds with five words. Perek Mamhey Pasa gimel. Yosef al-achav. Page 252. Yosef turns to his brothers and he says, "Ani Yosef, ha'od avichai. I am Yosef. Is my father still alive? This too we've unpacked many times through the years. Chazal, the Medrash, says on these words, Ani Yosef. Woe unto us on the day of judgment when we will experience our own moment of Ani Yosef. What does that mean? In what way will we experience our own moment of Ani Yosef? In that moment, everything came became clear. The picture became clear for these brothers. All the things that we're in denial of for ourselves, we forced to see it with clarity and to confront the truth and the reality of our ways. We won't need to have any other consequence. I've told the story before in the Pasha class, but someone I'm closely related to through marriage, my wife, once called me, she had been pulled over and she was getting a ticket. She said, like, can you believe it? Policeman is behind. She didn't deserve it. I'm sure it was a mistake. But she was a uh, policeman was behind her, giving her a ticket. So my first reaction is, "Well, how could you? Why were you going so fast? Now our insurance is going to go up. Why are we doing that?" She said to me, and I quote, "Ephraim, the policeman is behind me with his lights on, currently writing up the ticket. Do you think I need to hear your musser of what I did wrong? <laughs> Do you, I think I need the message right now from you about how not to go too fast or how to go just fast enough but not too fast that you get a ticket?" You think I really need to hear that right now? It was a very powerful message that impacted me in marriage and parenting and life. That when a person is facing the natural consequence of what they've done, they don't need you to pour it on. They don't need you to now articulate and communicate and make it worse. They've got the natural consequence. There's nothing that speaks louder or more compelling or more articulate than that we will see the consequence of what we've done. We'll see the whole picture. We'll see the scene. We'll see the fallout of that which we didn't even know on the Yom Adin. In the world of truth, we'll see the whole picture and nothing will need to be said. Nothing more will need to be said. And that's what's going on. Ani Yosef. That's all he has to say. Remember 22 years? You thought I was gone. You got rid of me. You hated me, lo Dabrol shalom. You couldn't even say shalom aleichem to me. Remember, you threw me in a pit. You sold me into slavery. You remember, you've been coming down for a little while. Someone's been rescuing you with food. I have one thing to say: Ani Yosef. Mic drop. It's the original mic drop moment. Your grandchildren will explain to you what that means. It's the original mic drop moment. Ani Yosef. Ani Yosef. He doesn't have to say any more, but he does say something more. And what does he say more? Haod. Avichai. Ha'ura Avichai. What was Yehuda's whole argument a moment ago? We have a father and our father's gonna die, and our father told us this, and we have to bring our brother back to our father, and our father, and our father, and our father and our father. Yosef says, Ani Yosef. Mic drop. One more thing. Is my father still alive? Yehuda just told him a hundred times about your father. But you'll notice Yosef did not say, Is our father still alive? What does he say? It's my father. He understands their father is alive. But is the one who learned with me, who held on to me, the one I was his favorite, who gave me the coat, has he given up on me? Did he move on from me? Ha'od avi, is my father still alive? Is that special relationship still alive? Does he long for me? Is that still alive? And then he goes on. The brothers are shocked, they're frightened, they're unable to respond. We'll get to in a moment. They're unable to respond. And then he continues. Yosef says to them, Incredible words, extraordinary words. And now, don't be sad. We saw Rabbi Nachman about the Isr of sadness, even in that moment. Don't ever, ever be sad. Don't be sad. And don't be angry. You sold me here. You think you did this? You're about to react with sadness, with shame, with guilt. You're going to beat each other up whose fault it was, who really said we shouldn't have done this. Don't fight amongst yourselves. Don't fight with yourselves. Don't feel bad. You know why? This wasn't you. You think I could have ended up here if Hashem didn't will it. This is all Hashem's master plan. Hashem put me here. Why? For this has been two years of hunger, another five years. He sent me here ahead of you, so I'd be in position. Again, he repeats, you didn't send me. I was elevated elevated over all of Eretz Yisrael. I am Yosef, your brother, that you sold me to Egypt. So the asks, in a moment, he's about to make them feel better. Don't be sad, don't be angry, don't feel shame, don't feel guilt. This was not your Hashem's master plan. I couldn't end up here if Hashem didn't will it. But before he says that, he says something that seems to sting. It's like he drives a knife through them. He says, Ani Yosef, achichem. I'm Yosef, your brother. You didn't know how to be my brother, but I'm Yosef, your brother. Hashem and in case you don't remember which Yosef? Maybe you had some classmates Yosef, some neighbors Yosef, (laughs) some friends Yosef, some Facebook followers Yosef. So maybe you're unclear which Yosef. So let me remind you. I'm the Yosef that you sold me to Mitzrayim. Why is Yosef sticking it to them? Why is Yosef driving the knife through their heart? Why is he emphasizing whom you sold to Mitzrayim? You think they forgot? You think they forgot who he is and how he got there? So says the Tzfas when Yosef said Ani Yosef, the brothers got insight into who the real Yosef, Ani. This is the real Yosef. They saw his neshama. They saw who he really was. Not the competitive brother, not the one obsessed with looking in the mirror and fixing his hair, not the one who selfishly only shared about flaunting his dreams. They saw the shorosh and neshama. They realized the greatness. They realized his devotion to Hashem. They realized how Hashem Shemaim he was and the shame and the guilt overcame them and washed over them. And they thought to themselves, how could it be? Yosef's an incredible tzaddik. But imagine if the last 22 years, instead of fighting for his life and saving the economy of Egypt, imagine instead he was shtiguing, he was sitting and learning the base measures of our father. Imagine we robbed him, we stole 22 years from him. He would have been 10 times holier. Ten times greater. If this is the greatness we see in front of us right now, imagine who he could have become. To which he answers, Asher machartem osim Yitzrayimah. Says the Svasemis, that word Asher. Translate the word Asher. It can be translated, not Asher, that. It can be translated instead Asher as, because. I am Yosef. And the holy Tzaddik that you feel the Shorosh HaNeshama in front of you right now, the Yosef you see in front of you right now, you know who I am, I am who I am. share not that I sold to Mitzrayim, but because I was sold to Mitzrayim. Thank you for selling me to Mitzrayim. That hardship and those challenges, that struggle and that suffering that I had to navigate, it made me into who I am. I only am who I am as a result of what I went through. I didn't enjoy it, I didn't appreciate it when you put me there, but I want to thank you. Because Ani Yosef, the Yosef you see in front of you, is Asher, is because because you put me through that furnace of Mitzrayim, it hardened me. It made me who I am. It built me into who I am. This is similar to the language we find. My friend Rav Elia points out the end of Torah, Asher Shibarta, Kurushbor who wishes Moshe Asher Shibarta. Rashi quotes Chazal, Yashakoach, Asher Shibarta. Yosef is thanking his brothers. Yashakoach Asher Machartem, Asher Yashakoach, that you sold me to Mitzrayim, because I knew Yosef, it turned me into the Yosef of who I am. This is maybe the greatest moment of Yosef's life. That instead of instead of reacting, lashing out with resentment, with anger, with revenge. Not only does he stay calm and display unity, brotherhood, and love, but he displays an incredible emuna. He says, I'm not going to beat you up. You know why? <coughs> First of all, because you look in the rearview mirror, you see those lights, and your ticket is being written up right now. I don't need to say anything because you understand right now. You understand right now the consequences of your action. All I need to say is, Ani Yosef. But more than that, moreover, my hashkafa sachaim." My understanding, my amunah and bitachon lead me to the conclusion, I share that I only am who I am because of what you put me through. And before that, yashe koach. You know, in our lives, there are people who have regrets. I wish my parents didn't send me to that school. I wish I grew up in a different home. I wish I didn't have to undergo that hardship. But ani, we are who we are only because of what we went through. Like Yosef, we need to look back and realize it's what molded and shaped. It's what fashioned us into who we are. In the story of Rav Yeshua Neubert, Rav Yeshua Neuwirth, the author of the Shmir Shabbos Kilchasa, lived in Beit Vegan. the great Tzaddik, the great Talmachachim. He lived 1927 to 2013. And in his Haktama, into the introduction of Shmir Shabbos Kilchasa, which until this day is the authoritative work on Hilcho Shabbos. In his introduction, he tells his story. He learned in Kol Torah under the great Shlomo Zalman Arbuch. In the introduction, he says how his family survived the Holocaust and it's a fascinating story. They were being hit, you should read the introduction, but the short version, his family was able to hide in their apartment. The Nazis thought that they had fled, that they had run, and they were hiding in their apartment, and they were, for three years, they didn't go near a window day or night. They didn't want to be seen, they didn't want to be recognized. Someone was bringing them food ever so often, but for three years, they essentially hunkered down among the many unimaginable things about the Holocaust to not see daylight for three years. They didn't see daylight. So what does a family do for three years that are in isolation, that don't see daylight, that don't so much as look at a window, that don't get a visitor, that don't go out? They couldn't even look out the window. So he writes, they had a Gemara Subas and they had a Mishnah bura Gimel. Mishnah bura Gimel, Selcha Shabbos. In those years he learned that bura over and over and over and over and over and over again for those three years. And he turned that rut, he turned that isolation, he turned being confined in that small small space into the knowledge and the background that positioned him to write the Shemir Shabbos. But that wasn't what motivated him ultimately to write the Shemir Shabbos. When the war was over and the family had the opportunity to migrate to Israel, the ship that was leaving was leaving on Shabbos. Now, he knew that if they remained behind, they surely could be killed, they wouldn't survive, they wouldn't live. It was a circumstance of pikuach nefesh, to be able to go. So they went, but even as he boarded that boat, he made a promise to himself that because he had to compromise in the sanctity of Shabbos, he would now dedicate his life to promote the learning and the observance of Hilchas Shabbos. That's what he writes in the beginning of Shemir Shabbos, Kilchasa. It was the fact that he learned to have Shabbos over and over and over again, in those three years of hiding, and then the fact that he got on that ship and had to compromise in the observance of Shabbos that he would use and dedicate his life now to promoting the greater learning of, knowledge of, and observance and practice of Shabbos. He used the circumstance of his life, and he said, Asher, not that, but because he was in hiding, because he had to, he had to travel on Shabbos, that would become the Shmir Shabbos Kilchasa. We can follow in those footsteps in that way. So Yosef tells them, "Don't be sad. Don't be sad. This is not you. It's from Hashem." And the Megid Yosef, Rav Yosef Serotskin wonders, "Tamua Hadaver Ma Kan Don't be sad. I understand. Where does "Don't be angry" come in? Don't be sad, I understand, I'll take Where is the, don't get angry? Why would they get angry? Who was the danger they would get angry at? Don't get angry at me? Why would they get angry at Yosef? Says Rav Yosef Saratskin, you see hidden here in this Pasuk, this insight, A powerful insight into the psyche of people. The natural instinct and inclination in the moment that we're caught is to be angry that we're caught. But that's the wrong feeling. Yosef was telling them, don't be angry right now that you were caught. Don't say, oh, why couldn't the neighbor go down to Mitzrayim? Why did it have to be us? We should have worn a disguise. Why did he have to recognize us? Why were we caught? Why were we caught? Don't be angry. You were caught. Embrace and lean into the fact that you were caught to now live the rest of your life. So whom were they going to be angry at? They were going to be angry at life, that they were caught. Our first instinct when we're caught is I can't believe there was a policeman and ways didn't tell me. Our first thing is I can't believe I was caught. Instead of saying, let me use, don't don't say this to the person who was caught, but saying to ourselves, let me use this moment to grow, to improve, to be better. To be better. Perak Meme turn the page. 254. What happens? This great reunion. Yehuda confronts Yosef. Yosef reveals himself to his brothers. And then he says, please tell Dad I made it. I broke through. I am the finance minister of all. Of, I'm not a doctor, but I'm the finance minister of all of Egypt. <laughs> the ace calls See everything, tell him everything that you saw. And bring. Notice Yosef doesn't say Avinu. Over and over again, he doesn't say bring our father. What does he say? My father. My father. He's fixated on my father. By the way, you loved your father so much. that little musashmooze you just gave me about how you can't do this to your father because of Binyamin. Yamin? 22 years ago, where was your love for your father? So don't tell me about your loving your father. He's my father. I never stabbed him in the back. I never betrayed him. I never took years of his life. Don't tell me how much you love our father. Look what you did. So don't talk about our father. Let's call him for now on my father. Over and over again, he says, avi. Tell him everything and quickly bring him down here. Avi. And then what does Yosef do finally now? Vayipol al savari binyamin achiv, he collapses on the neck of his brother binyamin. can they cry Bacha, al and binyamin cries on his neck as well. What were they crying over? Only Jews would have to ask that question to find something to cry over. <laughs> they're crying over the fact that they were separated. They've met, they're reconciled, they're together. They're the only ones who share the same father and mother. Yosef binyamin, they need a reason to cry we always need a reason to cry. Don't ever use a good opportunity to cry. Don't ever waste a good cry. So Rashi says, what were they crying over? <laughs> They're crying over the two Batei Mikdash that are going to be in the, in the um, area of Binyamin and ultimately will be destroyed. And why is Binyamin crying? On the neck of Yosef. Why? Because the Mishkan was in Shiloh. Shiloh is, is in the area, the region of Yosef. The Beis was in the area of Binyamin. Each is crying for the other and what they're going to lose. So this is another Jewish behavior. This is a happy moment. You're crying for something that's not going to happen for hundreds of years? You really have to ruin the moment? It's like you had a big simcha and you're crying. Why are you crying? Because we're all going to die and we're not going to have simchas and the Babi and Zed are going to be missing and the great grandparents won't still be there by the time the last one will have their simcha. So you're fashtering our whole simcha right now because in 70 years from now, the 17 generations up won't be there when the young. What are you ruining the whole simcha right now for? Such a Jewish thing, no? They have to ruin it right now? You're crying because there will be a Beis mikdash. it will be destroyed. There will be a Mishka and it will be destroyed. You're crying for things that didn't happen yet? Just enjoy the moment. It's geshmak. enjoy the moment. Sing and dance and hug. Right. It's an incredible moment. Says the Matzah Tzurebbe, says look at the Yisrael, you know why they're crying right now? Because it's not going to happen in the future. What led to everything right now? Two words, And what's going to lead to the destruction of the Mishkan and the Mikdash? Senes And as Yosef and Ben hugged each other and looked at the brothers, they realized, as much as we've put a band-aid for the moment, as much as we patched things up for right now, this horrific, pernicious, terribly destructive poison called Sinas it remains and it will remain and it will haunt our children through the generations. So much so they won't solve it in time that the Mishkan will be destroyed after 320 years. They won't even know where it was. The Beis HaMikdash, Tubate Mikdash, will be destroyed. They weren't crying for the future, they weren't fastering the present for the future, they were crying for the present as they hugged and said, even in this moment, as we put a band-aid and we've patched it up, but the seeds of Seneschinim, they remain and they're going to come back. Which explains also, Rabbi Bachaya says, I'm sure we've spoken about this before too, so we won't elaborate. Tisha we sit on the floor, we lament, we cry. The destruction of the Tuhbal and we all know the Medrash and Eicha Raba. Why were the 10 martyrs killed? We read Akinah about the 10 martyrs murdered by the Romans. We read Akinah, we read about them on Yom Kippur. And why were they killed, the Medrash tells us? Because they were put on trial for the ten brothers. Put on trial for the ten brothers. And the brothers were found guilty. And since the brothers never paid the price, so therefore these ten rabbis, who were not contemporaries of one another, but the ten great rabbis of their generations were brutally, brutally murdered. And Rabbina is bothered. Read Vayigash. Read Vayachi. What do you mean they're put on trial? They're found guilty. someone has to suffer the consequence, pay the price for them. What happened to the reconciliation? What happened to Yosef saying, we're good. We're brothers. It's okay. It was Hashem's master plan. Don't, don't be sad and don't be angry because we we're all good. What happened to we're all good? Says Rabbeinu Bachia, they weren't all good. As, remember what happens? A little spoiler alert for next week. When Yaakov Avinu dies, what do the brothers do right away? They run to Yosef and say, don't kill us. I I don't know if you heard, but Abba said before he died, he wanted to get the message across to you. Even when he's gone, still don't kill us. And Yosef's heart is broken. Have I not been incredibly magnanimous, generous, good to you that you still harbor this thought that I would kill you? Clearly, there's not a full reconciliation. Clearly, there's still a tension and animosity. Clearly, there's a level of a sin chinam which is not entirely eradicated. And because they didn't get rid of it, entirely at that time, it continued to haunt through the generations. Ada Yamazah, Why don't we have a Beis HaMikdash? Why is Mashiach not yet come? Why are we lighting the menorah in our homes and not in the, in the, in the Beis HaMikdash itself? Because Sinashinam continues until this day. So Yosef and Minyamah were not crying on each other's shoulders about something in the future so that they were ruining the present. They were crying about the present because the present wasn't yet fully solved. They put a band aid. (laughs) But the Aznaim Latorah, Rav Saratskin quotes his Zayda, the Aznaim Latorah, in his Megad Yosef. Megad Yosef quotes the Aznaim Latorah. He asks another question. Do they not have enough to cry about about the 22 years that were wasted, that were lost? 22 years that we can never recover of Shabbos and Yatov meals together? 22 years of barbecues? 22 years of chavrusas? 22 years of Hanukkah parties, latkas of 22 years we can never ever make up. We can never get back. We can never recover. Did they not have enough to cry for that they had to cry for something in the future? In the future? They should have been joyful for the fact that they were going to be built, the Mishkan of the Mikdash. Why are they crying for the fact that they're going to be destroyed? So he says, in order to understand this, we have to introduce why was the Beis Mikdash built in the Chaluk of Binyamin? In the thousands of years of the existence of the Jewish people, how many years did the Beis HaMikdash exist? Only several centuries. It's really a fraction of time. We think of the Beis HaMikdash as being our ideal existence, and we mistakenly think it's our majority of our existence, but actually, chronologically, it's a small fraction of our existence. However, even in its destruction, we have to think about it. Supposed to be part of our mindfulness and our consciousness collectively, even in our moments of greatest joy. Under a chuppah, we think about Emet We break a plate. So this notion of thinking about churban, even in a moment of great simcha, traces back to this moment of Binyamin. Simchasu Yosef was is named for holding out for Yosef for being complete for being whole. So Ben is the one who will have the Beis Hamikdash built in his territory. So, Binyamin is the one who represents our faith in the future, our hopefulness, our belief that the best will yet to come. And that's what we see in the posse. If I forget Yerushalayim, then forget Yimini. What's Yimini? My right hand. Says the Megad Yosef, quoting the Zedal, Torah, it's not my right hand. Yemini is a reference to Binyamin. Binyamin in Megillus Esther is Yemini. Binyamin never forgot. He never forgot the pain, the absence, the destruction. He never forgot the distance. He never forgot the sinna that happened with Yosef. So because Binyamin never forgot, that's why he was Zocha to the Beis HaMikdash in his territory. And that's why we have a practice even in a moment of great simcha like a wedding to invoke remembering the Khurban. Like Binyamin in this moment of great simcha of reconciling with Yosef remembered the Khurban. We too remember the Khurban. And why do we do it? Because in Meshkach Yerushalayim Tishkach If I could forget Yerushalayim I have forgotten the lesson of Binyamin to never forget with faith the danger and damage of senaschinam but also the hope and the future of redemption. Certainly they were crying over the 22 years of the time lost. However, Yosef saw, he intuited, that in that merit of who Binyamin was and how he lived, he would be zocha, would merit, the Beis would be built in his territory, and then he saw it would be destroyed, and therefore they cried to create this precedent together for us. Okay. Perakman May pass Turn the page yet again. We are flying two fifty six. Yaakov receives the news. <speaking in Hebrew> Yosef sends his brothers. They go and he says, "Alter <speaking in Hebrew> Gazu What does that mean? We spoke about it previously. Don't become agitated on the way. It's a funny thing to tell your brothers. They have failed you miserably. You've been overly kind to them in this revelation and reconciliation, and now your message is "Alter gezub adarach." Go business class. Don't take coach. Alter Don't don't enjoy. Don't fight. Don't be miserable. Don't be agitated. Chazal learn. Don't get distracted by talking dvar halacha. What does that have to do with anything? What, what a funny instruction. Alter gezuba badarach. For another time. Va'yalul mi'mitzrayim. They come up and ascend out of Egypt. Va'yavo al eretz kenan al Yaakov aviyim. And they arrive at their father Yaakov. Va'yafag <coughs> libo. Kiloha emin lahem. And when they tummed, sorry, I skipped. lo they tell him, Ode Yosef Chai, Dad, great news! Great news! Sitting down? Chazal tell us how it was broken to him. Sitting down? You come? Hatzalah's on standby? We got good news. Ode Yosef Chai. Yosef's still alive. Not only is he still alive, it's not that he's alive and barely holding on skin and bones, he's in charge. He's in charge. And how does Yaakov react? His heart rejected it. He could not believe them. So they repeated everything. And then he saw the agalos, which were the embedded signal, the secret message. Finally, he came around. He came around. Why did Yaakov refuse to accept? Why did his heart reject? Bo? Why did his heart reject? Again, the Megid Yosef of Yosef Sarrotskin wonders. <clears throat> Person always wants to hold on beyond hope for good news. We long for, we look for, we wait for, we welcome great news. So Yaakov wasn't willing to accept the great news? Did he not have faith that Yosef could survive? that Yosef had the survival skills, that Hashem could orchestrate anything in the world? Was He not willing to wait for a miracle? Listen to this insight. You'll never read Parshat Vayigash the same way. It's like a Geshmak insight by the Megid Yosef. Yaakov was not rejecting the news that Yosef was alive. You know what he was rejecting? What his heart refused to accept? That's what Yosef's become. My Yosef, I used to listen, sit and learn and steig. My Yosef, I took to Ovasubonim and Vashinantim. He sat next to me in shul. He sang and he danced at the bring and the Oneg. My Yosef, my Yosef, who used to be so proud to be able to recite the Mishnayos Bapeh, my Yosef used to be so proud to sing Zmiros. Now my Yosef is so excited because he's the Moshe B'chol Eretz Mitzrayim. That's what's become of my Yosef. That's what's on the top of his resume, his CV. Oy, v'yafagli boki lo lahem. He didn't want to believe that that was Yosef. Yosef essentially assimilated. Yosef lost his way. He's off the derech. Yosef no longer has the right priorities. Yosef's now greatest pride is, I broke through. I got the newest Tesla. I got the latest iPhone. I live in the biggest house. I drive the nicest car. I make the most money. I have the most friends and followers. I'm the biggest influencer online. Let him know. Tell Tati, Moshe Bukhala Tzbitraim. I'm the biggest ruler. I'm the biggest influencer. And what does Yaakov say? Ah, oh, you're breaking my heart again. He never doubted Yosef was still alive, but his heart was broken by the idea that Yosef was most excited by. So what happens? That gaiva. So then they continued. kol Yosef Now they repeat everything that Yosef said. And now he sees the agalos. And what is the agalos? The agalos are an allusion, a hint to the last thing he was learning together with Yosef. And now, how does he react? ruach Yaakov avihem. Oh. His heart comes back. His heart was broken and his heart stopped when he's told that Yosef is so proud because he's the richest. He's the biggest Balgaiva. He's the most arrogant. It broke Yaakov's heart. But then they went out and said, something about the wagons? He says, oh, the wagons? Eglarufa. He remembers 22 years later where we were learning, where we left off. His finger is still on the place in the Mishnah. Vatechi Ruach Yaakov Aviyem. He comes back to life. His heart starts again. It's Geshmak, no? It's a totally different reading of these same psukim from like, what do you mean he refused to believe? And then they said more and he believed. What changed? Why does he believe now? And what do the Agalas have to do with anything? But Tachiruach Yaakov, Rucho, his Ruach, Yaakov's Neshama came back because he learned that Yosef was still the same humble, the same Geshmak Yosef, the same Yosef that he always, that he always knew. Perak memve, memvav, pasuk, Chaf Ches. V'as Yehuda shalach. Why? Why did he send Yehuda? Perkman manvav ches pasuk chavches. V'as Yehuda shalach l'vanav Yosef laaros l'vanav Goshna v'yavo arza Goshna. He sent him down ahead to go to Goshen. Why? Why did he send them down? So let me read to you from the Ozer Plas Hatere. Shamati. He says, I heard a vort from the Munka He says, when did I hear this vort from the Munka Who's sitting right there. When the Munka was visiting, I heard this vort in the house of Lipschitz was sitting right here at the Shear. That's why I had to say this before. Why does Yehuda sent down first? He's on a recognizance mission, a scouting mission. What is he going to look for? He's going to found a new yeshiva. Before there was the yeshiva of South Florida, Rabbi Yoni 11, the Rosh Hashiva had to come on a scouting mission from Woodmere. Where are we going to open this yeshiva? Yehuda was sent to Goshen to figure out where they're going to open the yeshiva. Yeshiva. Why does Yaakov have to send Yehuda to go find where you're going to open the yeshiva? What a waste of a ticket. What a waste of an Uber ride. Who could have scouted out? Who could have found the place? Who already was living in Mitzrayim? <laughs> Yosef could have been the one to open the yeshiva even before they got there. By the way, what do you see? Yaakov doesn't send someone to open a shul. He didn't send someone to open the breakaway shul. He didn't send someone to open the mikvah or build the Erev, he didn't send someone to open the kosher pizza store, the mark of a community that's made it. The second pizza store, the breakaway pizza store is the mark of the community that's made it. What does he send? Open a yeshiva. Community without a yeshiva, it's not a community. You have to have a yeshiva, Baruch Hashem. We have many yeshivas, we're very zoch in our community, and the new yeshiva of South Florida among them. So said the Munkach Rebbe, you know what the pshat is? Yehuda Hayamelach, Yosef Hayarak mishnah lamelach. Yosef is only the Mishnah Lamelach. He's second in command. Yehuda is the progenitor of Malchus. Yehuda is royalty, monarchy. He had to send Yehuda to open a yeshiva, to fight the forces that you're going to have to overcome, to open a yeshiva to run through the walls that you're going to have to run through to open a yeshiva. Next week is a matching campaign for Yeshiva South Florida. I'm just setting you up right now. Baruch Hashem, we an incredible yeshiva. We have incredible Hanhala, Rashi Yeshiva, amazing, six incredible kolomen. Tomorrow, what's today, Monday. Wednesday night, behind the bima, is introduction, yeshiva. we're having the yeshiva South Florida I'm behind the bima, so meet the yeshiva. So we're going to need everybody's help, Baruch Hashem. We're not in Goshen, we're in Boka, but a community strength is it's yeshivas, we're going to need your help. But in order to have a new yeshiva, Baruch Hashem, with the impact it brings, you gotta run through walls. Mishnah of Malach's not good enough. Second in command's not good enough. Yosef was not good enough. You had to have Yehuda himself, Azoy Zogt, the Ebe, in the home of Rabbi Yicheske Lipschitz. Azoy Zogt. However, says Rabbi says Rabbi Chaim Friedlander, Rabbi Chaim Friedlander, Mashkiach of Panovich, says something different. The Medrash says the following. Yosef Yosef I'm Yosef, I believe, because he remembers where we last left off. If you remember where we last left off, I'll believe you. That Yaakov and Yosef remember exactly where they left off, that we understand. But why is Yaakov testing, and why does Yaakov believe that the brothers should also remember where they left off with Yosef 22 years earlier? So it says Chaim Friedlander, the Mashkiach Chaponovich, ha Yaakov avinu, beno Vada Certainly when they revealed and they said, when he says, I'm Yosef, and they say our father's still alive, first thing Yosef is going to say is, for 22 years, I've been trying to finish and figure out the Sugya of Eglarufa. My learning with dad was rudely interrupted when you threw me in a pit. So, knew what was the end of the Shir that day. 22 years earlier, what was the teretz? Tati gave a Shir Klali on Rufa. He set it up with 15 kashas, 15 questions. Surely he gave a teretz. Surely he gave an answer. What was the answer he gave that day? Knew what was the answer. <laughs> And Yosef knew that's exactly what his father would be thinking too, so he sent the wagons. This was a worthwhile. So he sent him down to open the yeshiva. They were all still holding. Yosef, the brothers, the father, they were all still holding in the same, the same sugya. Uh, we're out of time. Which last? We'll do one more. My favorite Uzer Plow Who lived the shortest of all the brothers? Yosef. Rabbi Yonasan ben Uziel. Rabbi Yonasan ben Uziel writes, Yosef atzadik neschayvi shenushnosu mekutzaros pachos mikol achav. He lived shortest of all the brothers because when he met Yaakov, in desh kasher pugas Yaakov is Yosef, ba'dayin lo hikiro, hista lo Yaakov b'chashbo shu paro. Because when Yaakov came down and met Yosef, he thought Yosef was Paro. He didn't recognize him. He had changed so much in the 22 years. So he bowed down, thinking it was Paro. And Yosef, of course, in that moment said, Dad, get up. It's me. But he should have anticipated that and sent the messenger in advance to say, Here's what I look like now. I look different. Don't confuse me. Don't bow down to me. He wouldn't bow down. Because he didn't do it. Yosef was not sufficiently broken over the fact that his father bowed down to him. And for that, his days were shortened and he died the first of all the brothers. That's the Targum Jonas and ben Uziel. All these give other reasons why Yosef died the first. Sota He went into the rabbinate. Went into the rabbinate. When you're in a position of leadership and rule, you have to absorb people's problems and you take responsibility. It makes you look old before your time. It takes years off your life. (laughs) Medrash Barash's rabbi gives another answer. When Yehuda is making his pitch to Yosef, he says over and over again, your servant, my father. I can't do this to your servant, my father. I have to bring my brother back to your servant, my father. And Shosek. Yosef never said, yeah, your father's not my servant. Stop speaking about your father that way. He didn't interrupt, he didn't correct him. And for that, Yosef died youngest. Yet another answer, five or six. Avinu. Yosef was quiet. So all these are reasons maybe why he died the youngest. Okay, really the last thing. The very end of the Parsha, we're skipping some. Rak paro. This is really interesting. This is a great Otsa to end with. Really plowing forward. On page 266. Yosef acquired all the land of Egypt for Paro, and for the nation he resettled in the cities. And only the land of the Koanim he didn't buy. Why? Why? It's a neglected Pasuk. Maybe you ever never even noticed this Pasuk before. He didn't buy the land of the Paro. Why not? Since the priest had a stipend from Paro, and they lived off their stipend that Paro had given them, therefore they did not sell their land. What does that mean? What's going on here? So the Torah says the following. This appears also in the parish of the Rush and the Chizkuni. These priests were priests of idolatry. And yet, he let them off the hook. He gave them a discount. Because when Yosef was falsely accused, Yosef was brought into a public trial. First the prosecutor, first the wife of Potiphar, brought her her evidence. And what was her evidence? What does she have in her hand? A coat. And it was ripped. And that was her evidence. Then Yosef says, his evidence. He's innocent. So they hear both sides. And the Kohanim, who are the Shoftim, say, bring us the coat. We want to take a closer look at the coat. It's the Geshmak Otziplos HaTorah, and they decided. If it's ripped in front, it's in the heat of passion, in the moment of passion that it was torn. So she's right. But if it's ripped on the back, he was trying to run away. It's while he was fleeing that he's right. <laughs> because they sought to exonerate him, because they tried to defend him, they were unsuccessful, but that's why Yosef never forgot that favor. And Yosef treated them well. the Sefer Imre Noam, from the Balei HaTos, quotes, she Shishav Chayish' Potifar, Lovan Allah Saddinim. It's a very graphic description. Don't listen if you're not mature enough. But the wife of Potifar took the white, white of an egg and poured it on her sheet. And she said, This was the evidence that it was the Zera of Yosef. And it's from the Balayatosos. They brought the sheets to Kohanim and said, Let's see the sheets. Let's examine them. And they put the sheet over a fire. And they said, If it disappears, then she's right. If it's consumed. But if it fries like an egg, then she's, it's a ruse and she's just setting up Yosef. They put the sheet on a fire and it fried like an egg and they knew that she was lying and they sought to defend Yosef. So again they were unsuccessful. We know Yosef ended up in the pit. The, the power of Potiphar was so strong it didn't matter but because the Kohanim, either because they examined the evidence of the of the coat or examined the evidence on the sheet, whichever way they examined the evidence, they sought to exonerate Pasha class is now going to be rated. We have to change the rating between last week between last week and this week. All this is within the targum Yonasan. That he was. This is the kind of stuff that's in the Utzer Plaus Torah. If this Helega chassidish Talmachachem could include it in it's safer, we could share it at the Pasha class. As always, a lot more to share. Thank you for adjusting this week. Next week we're back on Tuesday morning. Also this week we don't. Wednesday morning is not Wednesday morning. We're moving the 10-minute sharm and Amuna to Thursday morning. I'm going to Martin, New York for a wedding tomorrow night. I'm back Wednesday. We had to move those to the shiurim. If you want to be up-to-date on all of our shiurim and get bonus material, sign up to the WhatsApp groups. RabbiEfremGolberg.org slash WhatsApp. You can be in all the WhatsApp groups. You'll get the schedule. Until next time, stay happy, stay healthy, stay holy. Have a lichtige chanaka.